All right, Mike Leonard wrote down on a notepad for things for me to task him about, and my favorite one is the first thing you wrote. <laughs> Lawyers are people, too. So, first of all, for people maybe that have never heard you before, Mike, who are you and what do you do, and why are you a person, too? Uh, John, uh, my name is Mike Leonard. I'm with Leonard Trial Lawyers in Chicago. I've been practicing now, John, it's sad to say, but about 30 years. That's not sad. Um, that means you're experienced. I mean, I'm very experienced. So, I focus on federal and state criminal trials and uh, civil trials representing whistleblowers and, and individuals who are suing large corporations for that type of employment or whistleblower-related issues. But hey. most of the time, as you know, is in the courtroom on, in federal and civil, uh, federal and state criminal cases. Well, getting to know you the past year, you know, I think I had in my mind what a federal defense attorney would be. And in many ways, you fit the bill, right? You're like you're a fighter, you're scrappy, you're funny, and you're obviously a charming guy because you can uh, woo juries and judges. John, thank you. Can I put you on my jury? Can we? <laughs> yes. We have 12 John Hansons in a box, please. Right. But you are also very much, as you say here, lawyers are people, too. Note number two, subset B of your notes, <laughs> Super Bowl. Oh, of course. So, you're gonna, so you're, well, what you're yeah, saying is you're, you're going to enjoy we, it like we, everyone else. We, we have to start with two things. I mean, we've, we've had a segment on your show. It's been little used lately, but, you know, lawyers are people, too. We have to start with Super Bowl food, right? Okay. Okay. So let's talk about that. What are your top two, three, four items that you just... Every year, you just have to have. Uh, chicken wings are sure. a big part because I don't really we don't do wings all that often, yeah. so it's a it's just a special thing. On I mean, the you day actually of. make them for the Super Bowl? You go out? And no, buy I don't them. make them. I don't make them. I go out and buy them. Maybe a frozen thing, slap them in the oven, um, or buy them maybe from. Do you got what? a wing stop out by you? Yeah, we do. Oh, and they're good. Those, yeah, those for are good. sure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good wing places. Bada Bing Wings up in the north, far north side. Not far okay. north side. It's like in uh, near Uptown Andersonville. Hmm. That's a good one. I stop by there sometimes too. Um, a good dip would be a shrimp dip. That was my grandmother's oh, wow. recipe. You're going a little high level there. Buddy. That's not that yeah. high. It's a bunch of <laughs> it's a bunch of cream cheese with a can of shrimp in it. Okay, there you in go. There. Yeah, so it's yeah. not that high level. What about you? I'd go number one. This is this has been like the last five years. I go with the Taco Twelve packs from Taco Bell. You got it. You got to walk just buy in a twelve pack. And you, yeah, they're, they're you twelve Taco Twelves. Yeah, so you got to come into whatever party you're going to at least carrying a couple of those. Iridian is seconding that motion. By nice. the way, yeah. I like that from the booth. Do you just and, buy one twelve pack, oh, or do you no. double come it up on, for a twenty four? I could probably eat a, a Taco Twelve pack myself. <laughs> but no, I think you need to come in with you know if you're going to someone else's house, at least three, right? So you're talking thirty six tacos. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then but I think number two for me would be the traditional Chicago favorite, the seven-layer dip, preferably bought it like Jewel, you know? Okay. How, how good is that? Yeah, that's a very Chicago yeah. thing at the Jewels, for sure. I'd go third. I'd go a, 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 a very substantial potato chip you could dip into, like ranch or... What's the other one? What's the other one from the 70s? Like a blue cheese? I wasn't around yeah. in the 70s, oh, Mike. Okay. I'm sorry, sorry. John. I, I aged myself. But <laughs> yeah. those would be like my top three, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you're probably going to order pizza, but it's going to be hard to get that pizza, so you right. might want to get it early or... Put it in, the, you know, put it in the oven. Remember, remember, remember your Prilosec early in the day. Make sure those tums are at the nightstand just in case at the sure. end of the day. Yeah, I don't think I usually do that. My stomach's pretty much of a iron, oh, iron well, casket. Good know? for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, iron, that's a great way to describe a part of your body. Yeah, an exactly. iron casket. <laughs> it's very appealing. So, um, who you are? You have a rooting interest in this one. I mean, I know you've done work in Kansas City. Yeah, we've I've chatted had, about. I've actually had a, Philly, federal, right? I had a federal court trial in KC. In, in Philly, I had um, we had a case pending there for a lot of years in federal court, a civil case, but never tried one there. But uh, I would say, I mean, in terms of a city to go to enjoy as a lawyer, uh, I like Philly just because, you know, you got to get those cheesesteaks, John. Oh, for sure. Um, but uh, KC is cool, too. But uh, I think I just really want a good 
close, long game that takes so many hours because then football's gone. And you you're know? not being sarcastic. No, about this no, no. You I actually mean, some, want it to yeah, last Some longer. people complain, God, the game is Super Bowl so long, it took six hours. I love that because then football's gone for like six months. Yeah. 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 And uh, so you don't really care who wins, just make it a good game. Yeah, and this one, I'd kind of, I wouldn't mind seeing Hurts get a title because Mahomes already has a title. Right. But um, right. Philly has a kind of team of destiny feel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They just seem like they're the hot squad. So I don't know. Right. I'm excited to watch it as well. I did, want, I did want to bring up because early in my appearances here at the beginning of the year, back in the fall, mm-hmm. we were talking about the Bears. And I, we were asking each other how many games they would win. Do you remember what we said or no? Yeah, I went like high. I went like nine. What did you I went say? like six or five. Yeah, I think and I, I was. I was making fun of you not being a true fan, but you were right. <laughs> I was you absolutely right. right. Yeah, exactly. I'm, but I'm more of the fan because I'm the eternal optimist. Like we're going to win this year. Right. Know? I'll give you that uh, title. Plus, you were around and probably remember the Super Bowl. So, oh my God, won. 85 Super Bowl shuffle. You want yeah. me to go into it right now? No, I don't. Okay. You mean you're going to sing it for us? I could do that, but I would be. It would probably. Be a, a listener, you know, bump, right. you know, ratings would go all the way down. Right. Okay. So uh, we do also have to do a tribute to a listener that we lost last week. Oh okay? no! So my aunt Justine Leonard, which is weird because you had a Leonard on before me on mm-hmm. WGN, Sarah Leonard. Yeah. Very weird that you would go from Sarah Leonard. She's to me. not weird. She's great. Oh no, she's probably unlike me. She's not weird. <laughs> But it's just weird that she's on the show, and then you have another Leonard on. Aren't it's actually, like, it's a new requirement of every show to have, have a Leonard. A Leonard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not sure how that's going to go for the ratings, John, but <laughs> good, good luck with that one. Uh-huh. But Justine Leonard from Milwaukee, who is my aunt, who was 91, who was our most loyal Milwaukee oh. listener, lived in Milwaukee, Shorewood, and she would listen every week, especially oh. when I was on. And a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, she actually called in with yes. a question. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to her. She died last week. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Mike. Yeah, thank you. A lot of thoughts are with you, and a big shout-out for that as well. And that was under the Lawyers Are People Too thing. What is the second note you have for me under Lawyers Are People Too? Uh, what does that say? I don't know. I can't read my own. Something right? Your Honor? Oh, I was saying we should also take a brief moment to discuss what our top legal shows are at the moment, right? Okay. <laughs> are you watching any? Uh, legal shows, not particularly that I come up. You know, I'm a true crime aficionado. We've talked about that. Yeah. So anytime there's like a mini series that pops up that dives into that, I'm a big fan of. I'm trying to think of ones I've listened to. So you only really like them if they're true crime. You don't like the the fake I don't. lawyer shows. I will say the one that I really enjoyed, and this connects Let's Get Legal with uh, Your Money Matters, the docu-series about Bernie Madoff. Oh, yeah. That I, was really good. I really did enjoy it. That was fascinating. Just, I did, and I, it was just interesting how you know white collar crimes are uh, investigated? I imagine you know a lot about that from the defense side of things. Oh yeah, have you ever uh, defended someone who was accused of like a Ponzi scheme or something like that? Funny you should ask. Did you? Did I set you up for that one? No, I, I have a case in federal court that's going to go to trial this year, and they're alleging it to be Ponzi like. So they're Ponzi not adjacent. Well, because I mean, a pure Ponzi scheme is like a Madoff scheme. So a pure Ponzi scheme, you're really not. You know, you don't really have a real business underlying it. The money that's coming in is then being used to pay those who are in before you in, in a pure Ponzi scheme, right? Right. The, the assets are not there at the end of the day to pay everyone who's Correct. in Correct. Right? You're, you're not really running an operative business. It's like money's coming in, but it's going to pay someone who was in earlier. It's a pure Ponzi scheme. Right. So the case that I have, it's it's a white collar federal criminal case, and they, they alleged it because they can't prove it's a pure Ponzi because there was a completely legitimate business that was operating. But they're basically saying that, gee, investors who invested didn't quite know what all the money was being used for. And if had they known differently, they might not have invested. So I think it's a very 
defensible case. Um, and I think the theory just doesn't fit the facts where he had a legitimate business operating with dozens of employees, et cetera, et cetera, not just in Chicago, but across the country. So we're really hopeful that, you know, the jury will see that one our way. Interesting, because, you know, investors obviously have a right to know certain things about what a company is doing, but do they get a full un- look under the hood at every expense and uh, and revenue uh, no, generated? No, they don't. So- I'm, I'm sure that you're you know, on your financial programs, which I you know once in a while I listen to John. Not, oh, wow. not all the what time, a ringing but, endorsement! But like uh, that, yeah. but I, I'm sure they would tell you too. Yeah, there's there's a big there's a fine line between you know what has to be disclosed and what doesn't. You know, because you have investors who, in this case that I'm defending, were really pretty sophisticated. You know, they understood how the company would make money for them. It was doing, you know, particular service we won't get into, um, but they had a very good understanding of of how their money would be generated, and so to kind of go back in retrospective fashion and say, "Gee, we didn't make money had I known that you know you had this expense or that expense or paying this much in salaries." That's not usually something you know, anyways, mm-hmm. right? So our position is going to be: there's there's no crime. No one was intentionally defrauded. You know, you don't open the hood up and. Of course, investors don't know about every way every little company thing, spends yeah. money. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. And there's companies that just don't make it that investors just lose money on, and then you have people that are very motivated to find ways to get their money back in any way they can. Correct. Yeah, and it doesn't make it fraud. Look, I'm doing right? your job for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, need, you want me as co-counsel? Yeah, I, I think we should sign. Yeah, but you still need to get that law degree, John. Yeah, so, yeah you, know, well, you wouldn't spend so much time at the Hawks game. Yeah, I know. I'm a little busy. Uh, let's try and get a couple answers here to the question of the day before okay. the news again. This law was passed with overwhelming support from both parties, met with strong resistance from the Chamber of Commerce, religious organizations, and testifying against it in Congress, Greyhound bus lines. What am I talking about? Let's go to Jerry. Jerry, uh, what's your guess? I could be way off. I think it has something under the umbrella of the Patriot Act about the uh, border agents not being able to check the immigrants interesting nope it, it's not that but it was a good guess steve you were kind of going in the same direction right yeah it was it was uh yeah cbd law where they can't pull over the buses and check for immigration it's not i don't know i'll have to look into that one i don't know much about that one but it's just not the answer let's go to george george what's your guess operating on sunday Businesses open and operating on Sundays. No, that's not the answer. And uh, we had a couple texts about that, too. Thanks for calling, George. 312-981-7200 if you have any guesses. What's the, um, is there a typical, you know, 12 guesses, 18 guesses? What What do you think normally happens on the show? I don't know. We sometimes go weeks, as I've said. but Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, weeks, we'll go rollovers for sure. I'll give more clues as we get a little bit closer to it, but uh, we got the news here coming up in a minute. Okay. You had a bench trial last week. We're going to chat about that okay. coming up in a little bit. Very good. Are we done with lawyers? Are people too, by the way? I think we are, John. I think we've we've humanized <laughs> me a little bit. You know, I don't know. We need to work on our radio broadcasters, people too. So yeah. you could maybe intro something on that. Trust me, people know I'm <laughs> I'm people. What's your phone number? People can reach you at Mike three one two three eight zero six five five nine. Leonard Trial Lawyers in Chicago. Three one two three eight zero six five five nine. You can go to Leonard Trial Lawyers. Com. And again, who should be reaching out to you, Mike? Individuals who are being investigated for or charged with federal or state crimes, um, or individuals who are whistleblowers or who have claims against their employers. Uh, we often take those cases to trial as well. All right. So this section was like the potato chip in the dip. Next section, we're going to get to it's the 12 get, It's going to get so much better, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening, you want to just stay in your car. Right. Just sit there. 
Exactly. We had a lot coming up. First, though, the news on WGN. Oh, man, I'm going to tune in for that. One in five, did she say? Separate bedrooms. Oh, sorry. I'll put you on, Mike. Lisa was saying that one in five couples, married couples, sleep in separate bedrooms. I actually think that number kind of feels right. Interesting. I mean, in the Dick Van Dyke show, didn't they do that? Wasn't something? that separate beds? That was separate beds. Okay, yeah. Bedrooms. I guess that was different. Like in those old TV shows, they always had separate beds. Yeah. yeah, well, until, yeah for sure. Until like the 80s or so. Right. Yeah. Right. What do they think people people know what was that? Was it for the kids' sake? They didn't want to? Yes. I mean, what, what's so the big weird. deal? I don't know, John. That's so weird. Um, 312-981-7200. Do you sleep with your wife in bed? Well, I should. I said that all is that, wrong. Is, no. that, is that a quality topic for Let's <laughs> no, Get Legal? No, it's not. That's yeah. not. And I framed it completely wrong. Uh, okay. Well, this show's off the rails already. Lawyers are people to check. We're with Mike Leonard from Leonard Trial Lawyers. And... You had a bench trial last week, Mike. Yes. Can you give us some of the details? Uh, and then we I want to dive into what a, what the heck a bench trial is. Sure. So number one, it was a civil case, not a criminal case. Okay. And secondly, it was a case in which we didn't have a right to a jury trial. It was a case in the Chancery Division of the Circuit Court of Cook County. So we didn't have the right to request a jury. I have so many questions already. Yeah. Well, first well, off, can you, you just... Can I give you a little facts about the case first? Really quickly. Can right. you just explain for people that maybe just are a little confused... What's the difference between criminal and civil courts? Sure. So criminal, obviously, or maybe not so obviously, someone is charged by a entity, meaning either the state government, federal government, local municipality, with an offense, okay. with a crime, right? And so you're never, an individual citizen is never bringing an action in a criminal matter. You're being charged with something, right? And this is usually you're innocent, you're, you are innocent until proven guilty. Always. And you must be beyond reasonable doubt to be found guilty. Correct. Civil cases. So civil cases could range from anything from a personal injury case to a real estate dispute to a um, breach of contract action to stealing someone else's employees, you know, a breach of a non-compete. So it's a business or a person bringing a case against a business or a person. Correct. So, you know, the, the individual who would be the plaintiff could e- could either be a person or a company suing either a person or a company or, or multiple parties, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, the um, burden of proof, is is it still reasonable doubt or no? No, it's entirely different. So in a civil case, the burden of proof is preponderance of the evidence. And you're now going to say, John, to Mike, to John, you're going to say, what does that mean, Mike? Um, so it really is just greater than 50%, mm-hmm. right? More likely than not, which is a much lower standard than a criminal case, which is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And sometimes when we're doing a criminal case, we might be either in jury selection or in closing argument, we might be emphasizing to the jurors, hey, I know some of you have been on civil juries before. This is not, you know, is it you know, more likely than not, just a little bit, just over 50%. No, this is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. That's what you say is in, entirely, a, in, a, in, a in a criminal, criminal case, case. Entirely different standard. Which so makes sense. By the way, I like how you think that you can do both of my uh, my job and your job at the same time. Oh, yeah, by yeah. Teeing uh, up can, my can, questions. I, can I ask the questions and then answer them? <laughs> I'm trying to lay a, In radio, we lay a foundation and build a house. Gotcha. So we've got gotcha. our foundation down, yeah. what criminal versus civil is. Okay, this okay. case. So this case, in, in, in a nutshell, was I was representing an individual, um, typically the individual would be the plaintiff suing the company. Mm-hmm. But what happened was the company sued her kind of preemptively. and what Knowing they had, that she might sue them. Correct. And they, they had a contract with her while she's employed by the company. And the contract said she will get um, a 5% interest in the company. Okay. And so she had that 5% interest in the company while she was working there. They fired her. And then the contract had other provisions like, hey, here's what happens if we fire you. We know we get... 
using our discretion to make a determination of what your 5% interest is worth, right? And so the standard for that is, you know, kind of reasonableness, good faith, right? And so they went out, the company went out and hired somebody to do a a so-called valuation to see what is her 5% interest worth, right? And as you can probably imagine, there's, you know, diametrically opposed views Mm -hmm. on what that interest was. So the company came up with a real low ball, you know, like $19,000. Hey, your interest is worth $19,000. And her expert said, no, it's like $275,000. That's a difference. Yeah. And so it couldn't be settled. So it had to be tried. And so it was a bench trial. Um, And interesting, because they sued her, it was very much what I'm accustomed to in a criminal a case, de- you're like where, defending. Where when, yeah, when the other side goes, in a criminal case, you know, uh, as a defense lawyer, they're going first, right? And so you ha- they put on all their witnesses. You're cross-examining, cross-examining, cross-examining. So it was very similar in that respect because they had to put on their people first, and I had to cross-examine, you know, their six or seven people. So you were in the zone. Yeah, so it felt very comfortable. Um, and then in a bench trial, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, what usually happens when you're done you don't usually get that ruling right away. You don't get that satisfaction or disappointment. So you usually have to submit a brief and, you know, cause some, there's a court reporter taking on the testimony. And then what happens is usually you have 30 days or so to submit a brief to the court saying, Hey judge, here's what all the testimony adds up to. Here's why we win or the other side. Here's why we lose. So wait, but the judge is sitting in the room during the whole thing. Oh, correct. Okay. Yeah. The judge is presiding over the trial. What I'm saying is you don't get the satisfaction where you're done. The jury goes witnesses. away. They yeah. Come yeah. Back in. And, and you know, there, there are cases, you know, in civil cases and criminal cases where you have a bench trial and the judge actually does rule from the bench right immediately. There. Right. Right. And so in this case, we have to do the post-trial briefs where we're trying to summarize the testimony in a light, you know, most favorable to our client, and then he'll issue a ruling. So, so we're uh, waiting. Quite, quite different than a, than a jury trial. Okay. So in, when we, in the criminal side of things, let's go back to the criminal world for yeah. a little bit. Um, can Is it right that any defendant can ask for a, a bench trial instead of a jury trial? So sure. Well, it's a little different in state court versus federal court. So okay. I'm in federal court a lot in federal criminal cases. In a federal criminal case, you can only have a bench if both sides agree. So the defendant might want to say, hey, we want to have a bench on this. And of course, uh, there's other factors that go into those. So a criminal defendant in a federal case is only going to want a bench trial if they think they have a judge that would be favorable to their position. And the judge never says that, but they have a, they have a sense that either the type of case it is or the type of the judge that he or she is, that it might be favorable to have a bench trial, right? Mm-hmm. But the government has to agree. The U.S. Attorney's Office would have to agree to a bench trial. So they uh, know that. Yeah, typically they don't. But yeah, once in a while you do have federal criminal bench trials. It's just not the norm. Have right? you ever done one or no? Um, not a federal criminal bench trial. All of mine, you know, dozens have been juries. All know? right. So I've never had one. We've actually had cases where we've asked the other side and said, hey, we're willing to bench this. And they never have agreed to that. Okay. On the state side, let's say if a state court criminal case, you can request a bench trial. So, and those are more typical. I mean, not, not typical, but I'd say out of all the bench, out of all the cases that are tried at the state level, you might have 25% or more. They're actually bench criminal trials versus a jury. What's the advantage to have a bench trial for in, in state court? Well, I think in state court, the, the thought is, you know, the judges have heard typically hundreds to thousands of cases, right? They have a very keen understanding of what a legitimate case is, what's proof beyond a reasonable doubt, and oftentimes aren't afraid to bounce the case, right? And so if you think you have a, a case where you think the evidence is thin and or you have a judge that shows a, a ability to rule in favor of the defendant 
then you might want to take that bench trial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, if it's one of those cases where you think you got quite an uphill battle, but hey, can I get one or two or more people to go along with our theory, hang in there for us, you know, then maybe at least I can hang them. I can get a hung jury and a mistrial. Um, so that's kind of, there's a lot that goes into it, but that's very quick nutshell of why you might bench your jury a case. I have so many more questions even after that. Um, 312-981-7200 is our phone number if you have any questions. This is a free-ranging conversation day. We were just talking about how there's not a ton of legal news out there right now, so it's a good chance to get any question you have in for someone who's been in all sorts of courtrooms. Mike Leonard, 312-981-7200 is our phone number. If you want to reach Mike and need his services, 312-380-6559. Okay, quick break, then more Let's Get Legal after this on WGN. 720 WGN, let's get legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Mike Leonard here, still looking for a question of the day. Mark's got a guess. We'll get to you in a moment, Mark. I'll give other people a chance to guess a guess, too. Guess a guess. This law passed with overwhelming support from both parties, but met with strong resistance from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, religious organizations, and they testified against it in Congress. Greyhound bus lines. What am I talking about? 312-981-7200. And any of your other legal questions. And Larry calls in. He was ready to call in. You got your headphones anywhere, Mike? Oh, let's get those set on up over there. Go ahead. Plug them on in. I didn't get uh, I didn't get Mike Leonard properly prepared for the questions. Irene, can you help Mike on out? Tell you what. I'm I, think, gonna... I think I figured it out. Oh, you got it? Yeah. Oh, this is great radio here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. There we go. Larry, how you doing, my friend? Thanks for waiting patiently for us to figure that out. Good, good. My question is, uh, right before COVID, I was going to have my basement remodeled. Mm-hmm. And I, are you still there? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, I was going to have it remodeled. Well, I had uh, signed, I signed a contract and I paid him 6500 just to, for the start. We never got in. COVID hit and then everything went south. And two years went down the line. There was still no work done. And I just said I didn't want to have it done anymore. Well, mm. he said I, I forfeited the 6500 Well, I took it to an attorney. The attorney was going to file saying that uh, uh, you couldn't, we couldn't agree on anything, so he was trying to get back the money. Yeah. Well, then he, he got sick. I oh, mean, where he had to stop his practice. Oh, gosh. Then, yeah, I know. I talk about getting bad luck. But where I was going with this, is that I call? I finally got a hold of him, and he had explained. Okay, but he lost my paperwork. Oh, jeez, that's no good. Mike so, Leonard would never do that. No, John, my filing system is impeccable. So, Larry, are you just wondering where you go next with all this stuff? Yeah, do I have? I mean, it's like now we're going on what three and a half, four years now. So, what do I have any kind of uh, recourse on this? Yes, you do. Uh, so, are you are you saying that you don't? have a copy of the contract anymore no i don't he okay. has everything he had it all okay and well you could still so you you still have a breach of contract claim here's the great thing i know you think a lot of time has gone by the statute of limitations meaning the time that you have to file suit in illinois for a breach of contract is actually 10 years so you have plenty of time to still sue and even though you don't possess a copy of the contract, you would still be able to allege that the parties entered a contract on or about such and such date. You know, here's what it, here's generally what it says. Even if you didn't have a copy of it, the defendant, of course, would try to, might argue that, no, it never existed or I don't have it either. 
but um, you know, you never know what's going to happen until you try. The good thing about your case, Larry, is, is at sixty five hundred bucks, you could file in small claims court in the Daily Center. I don't know if you live in Chicago, uh, but you could yeah. file a small claims case. You wouldn't even really, you don't have to have a lawyer, and you would just kind of have a, a bare bones statement of the facts. You'd have to pay the filing fee, which is probably four or five hundred bucks. That's the downside. But you know, those cases, small claims cases, you know, could go relatively quickly and you might not even need a lawyer to do it and try to get your money back is what I would say. Does he have any cause against the, the lawyer for losing the paper? I'm sure you you feel bad for the guy, Larry. He got sick. I don't know if you hold a bunch of ill will towards the lawyer. Maybe just leave that part out of it and just, or mention it in your briefs, right? Uh, Larry, John Hansen going for the legal malpractice angle well, already. I was just wondering. If... <laughs> well, Larry would possibly have a claim for legal malpractice if Larry was damaged. So, for instance, if Larry couldn't prove his case and his case got thrown out because the lawyer lost the contract, and that's why Larry lost the case, then theoretically he could have a claim for legal okay. malpractice. But he doesn't, Larry right now hasn't suffered any damage. Like, you know, he hasn't lost anything. The case isn't gone away, and he still may be able to prevail. But he'd have to be mindful that the statute of limitations for filing legal malpractice, I think, is two years. Right. So there's all these legal quagmires out there. It's almost like a, a law school exam in here today, John. Yeah, right. You know? Larry, did that answer your question? Yeah, it helped me out immensely. I appreciate it very much. Good. Hey, Larry, by the way, when you were in negotiations originally, did you do this via email or was it all phone calls with the contractor? I have some emails on my phone still to this day. That can Interesting. Help. Yeah, that would be helpful. That would be evidence that, I mean, depending on what the nature of your communications were, Larry, might be evidence where he's acknowledging the existence of the contract, right? But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be put off by the fact you don't have a copy of the document. I would still, if you want to, I would still try to proceed. Can you do us one favor, though? Let's say you either win or lose. Can you call the show back someday if John's still allowing me to come on and tell us what happened? <laughs> I will definitely do that. Awesome. All right. That's great. Larry, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. See, when I said legal questions, I didn't think we'd get those, but those are actually great questions. We'll take I mean, whatever. It's almost like a law school exam. You come in here, who knows what's going to come across the airwaves, John? Exactly. Yeah. We got an interesting text from the 773. My legal question is my dad's neighbor had a heart attack. A woman, not a trained nurse, is helping him. She said the neighbor's friend arranged for his care. Never met the guys all these years, 20 years. Finally, one day, I met him when I was visiting the neighbor. He said, I need to read through this again to make sure yeah. I get the details. This is a little confusing to me. So I'm going to get to this question, okay. 773. But let me follow up a little bit more and see if I can determine exactly what's happening. Interesting. Sometimes with text messages, it's a little hard to read. Yeah, the, the yeah. I like, I like the sound of it. It's like complex. It is complex. Yeah. All right, we're going to guess to the question of the day. This law passed with overwhelming support from both parties, met strong resistance from the Chamber of Commerce, religious organizations, and the Greyhound bus lines. Mark, you're on WGN. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, John. How you doing? I'm doing good. What's your guess, my friend? My guess is that it was the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, that uh, the Greyhound buses couldn't put... Uh, uh, wheelchair ramps, and that the uh, Chamber of Commerce would object to the cost uh, for all their uh, members, and the uh, religious, the churches wouldn't want to spend all that money, too. That's, uh, so, let, I, let me let, plug this into my computer here. The American Disabilities Act was signed on July 26, 1990. It passed the Senate, 91 to 6, the House, 377 to 28, despite objections, from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Greyhound Buses, and Religious Organizations. Mark, you got the answer to the question of the day. Huh. 
Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> Stay on the line. Don't go anywhere, Mark. Uh, Iridium will I come would... up with some prize for you, or at least it's pride. Um, I want to just one clarification. You got you nailed two out of the three. That's exactly why Greyhound bus lines, and they weren't the only ones. They just actually testified in front of Congress, U.S. Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> the religious uh, angle was actually about the fact that the law in 1990 covered people with HIV, and obviously this was still in relatively early stages of HIV, although I'd say it had been about eight or nine years, and a lot of religious organizations objected to that. But Mark, you nailed it. Congratulations. Yeah, Mark's already done. Yeah, I, had, I had the same um, idea of Mark on that last part. I thought the religious organizations were opposing it because they would have to change the entrances to their church, you know, right. to comply with the act, but it's, it's something entirely different. Right, and of course the act had flexibility and allowed, you know, certain buildings to be grandfathered in, yeah. and uh, because there was a lot of worry that it would be overreaching and it would lead to an extreme amount of litigation, which it did lead, obviously, to a lot of litigation that oh, goes yeah. through. and continuing. Right, but it was actually expanded in 2008, so it was George H.W. Bush who signed it into law, it was George W. Bush who actually expanded it for more people in 2008. And yeah, some people, which is, which is cool on both fronts because people don't think of them in that in that, in that vein you know being doing things like that so it's kind of cool to hear yeah, that's great 312-917-200 is our phone number if you have any legal questions still got a couple minutes here before the news um you want to talk about the brett Favre case sure you know it's nice because when you're chicagoan and you hate the packers like i do i do you think there's any what, what's the percentage we have of, packer fans what is the percentage, a percentage of packer listeners do you think 10 to 15 percent i'd say wow okay yeah so i guess we'll so don't we'll, be too we'll soft yeah. sell yeah mm-hmm. i don't want you to lose that base mm-hmm. uh but so far if you remember he has not been criminally charged but others have been because the federal government gave money to the state of mississippi you know earmarked for like anti-poverty programs for families in need, et cetera, et cetera, for housing and food, et cetera. So uh, there have been people who have been charged with a crime in connection with the misuse of that money, right? And so they haven't charged far, but what ha- what turned up is that he w- he used his influence to get some of the money that we're talking about to be used for a project to build volleyball courts where his daughter was going to school at, I think it's Southern Mississippi University. And then also it's alleged that he used his influence to get some of the money earmarked for a startup business which seems very strange but it was a nasal spray that was alleged to help with concussions right Mm -hmm. so they haven't charged him because they would have to prove that he knew that the money the state gave was you know what you know that he sort of conspired to get that money you know diverted to him and in an intentional manner in violation of law i don't think they can prove that right um but so what he's done now, what what made the news this week, is then Favre turned around and sued some broadcasters, some sports broadcasters. Yes, I saw you know that. that that guy McAfee who has a show. Mm-hmm. They sued him. Favre sued him, and then Favre sued some news programs for de- and the auditor of the state of Mississippi, claiming that they have defamed him right. in characterizing how he received that money, because a lot of them have said things like, you know, Favre stole the money from. Poverty programs, Favre stole the money from, you know, kids and families. And, you know, they're claiming, no, we're just reporting on a fact. And we always said allegedly. Right. right. But Favre has sued them really to kind of clear his name. Can you can you move that money for me again one more time? The allegations start with money. That yeah, so you to- have you have the federal government, which gives out grant money to states. Right. right. And in this case, the federal government gave money to the state of Mississippi. Okay. And I don't know the name of the program, but but essentially my understanding is it's like an anti 
poverty program, the money's supposed to be earmarked to help needy families with like housing and food and assistance, etc. And it was steered in different places. So allegedly. yeah, so instead of the state of Mississippi using it for that earmarked purpose, Got then it. what they did was they had all these pet project of various people of influence, and they took the money which was supposed to be used for one purpose under the under the federal grant and used it for all sorts of other purposes. Yeah, and just would this be a federal crime since it was federal dollars? It could be a state or federal crime. Okay. I think the people who've been charged are charged with a federal crime because okay. it's the the money was federal. So remember. A Great. Thank you for answering that. we got to go to the news right now. Do you mind just sticking around a little bit afterwards, Mike? Absolutely. Because that long text that I was a little confused about, they're going to call in. Good. That'd be great. All right. We'll do that after the news. And we'll have Audrey Anderson on, too, here on Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association on WGN. Second hour here of Let's Get Legal. Mike Leonard, you ready to take a couple questions? Bring it on, John. Bring it on. For listeners just joining us, Mike Leonard is a defense attorney, federal defense attorney, also does whistleblower cases. I like to remind people who you are, Mike, even though you seemingly are across from me almost every week nowadays. I am, John. And I love it. But thanks for the reminder. For sure. Let's go to Paul. Paul, you texted something that I was having trouble understanding, but uh, I really appreciate it. I'm glad you called in. Thanks for uh, and thanks for calling. And what do you got for us? No problem. I, I guess I just couldn't get my thumbs to move fast enough. <laughs> I hear you. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, a neighbor, my, my dad's neighbor, had a health event, and um, a friend of his arranged to have some household care care and self-care mm-hmm. and he was just saying how she you know knows this guy and he asked her um to help out with you know while he rehabs himself and get him to doctor's appointments and so forth so i never met the guy she says this guy named you know x uh, and so finally i met him uh and he, you know my brother never met the guy you know and we've been there for over 20 years always t- hello across the fence and so forth and uh so finally met the guy and he says, yeah, you know, it, you know, some small talk. And he says, yeah, I'm probably going to move in. Um, this neighbor, is the, this you know, is the neighbor that's going to move in with the other neighbor. No, this is the no, helper. This, this, this moving the neighbor, he, right? He's just a, yeah. Not the helper, but a friend of the helper. Oh, that's weird. And yeah. a friend and friend of the neighbor, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I guess they both somehow know, know him. Okay. And, um, and so I finally met him, you know, we're sitting in, in the guys in the neighbor's living room. And just having some small talk, and he says, "Yeah, I'm going to move in." And Glenn, do you mind if uh, I move in? You know, I, I'm moving into the basement and this and that. And you know, he's got a house up somewhere else in the uh, surrounding suburbs, and um, and he'll move in with with uh, the neighbor. And you know, so it just just doesn't sound right. And and I was asking my brother how much, you know, because my brother knows more about mm-hmm. the neighbor than I do. And he says he thinks he has some family out in California. I don't know how much he stays in touch with him. But, you know, during his rehabilitation, um, he was a little slow, you know, uh, responding to questions and so forth. So I just wonder if he had the mental capacity to make the decision to say, yeah, to his friend, yeah, go ahead and move in. And it's this friend taking over as a power of attorney for health care and financial so, interest. So you don't so know forth. for sure that he's signed a power attorney or anything, but you're, you're skeptical that someone's moving in with yeah. this guy that needs help, and you're wondering if there's any anything you can do or your, or your dad can do or your brother can do to to look right. into this a little bit more. Okay, go ahead, Mike. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, the guy's 80 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you know, Paul, you're, you're, you're right on the core issue. I mean, the, the thing that I would be suspicious or cynical or want to look into is, is the person 
the neighbor who needs the care, are they competent to make those kind of decisions, right? And I think there's like a hotline you can call. Yeah, I actually have the number here for you. I'll text it back to you, Paul, as well. But Illinois has a department on aging elder abuse. Now, again, that abuse word is, you know, it's loaded, right? So I don't yeah. know. I don't well, want to. We're not saying it's right. abuse, but obviously it would raise uh, an inquiry. 100%. Into, yeah. and, and maybe they maybe they say, well, that's not quite our area, but we can guide you somewhere else. That number is one eight six six. 800-1409, which they need to come up with a better number. I'm literally texting you this right now here, Paul, so you'll get these numbers yeah. too. And then if it gets to this level or if you, you need more, Peck, uh, Carrie Peck comes on John Williams' show all the time. Uh, he's a managing partner of Peck Ritchie, and he is just such an expert on all of these things, elder care, elder abuse, what happens when you get – I mean, he's just the expert on this stuff. I'm going to text you his email and the phone number as well because I don't quite know which number he wants WGN listeners to call. But uh, I, I'm right. sure most listeners are familiar with Carrie Peck and Peck Ritchie. I'm going to text you that stuff as well. Okay, Paul? Yeah, and Paul also sure. – I mean, it could yeah. be – it also could be a simple reach out to local law enforcement, you know, um, just that you have a concern. And I'm sure they would send someone out to talk to all the parties involved. We're not saying any crime has been committed, yeah. but certainly that's right. another resource calling local law enforcement in whatever town that is. And I'm sure they would take an interest in what you had to say. Thanks, Paul, for the call. Okay. Right. right. Cause, yeah. Because I was just going to say, he may have a relationship. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, why not ask the questions? I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's nice that Paul cares, right? That yeah. He's taking note of these things. I like that. Neighbors, helping neighbors. Yeah. Let's get a couple quick updates on some cases you're working on, Mike. Um, yeah, University of Chicago uh, case, right? Yeah, we have the case where we're representing a, a kid who was a student there. He was in his uh, second semester of his senior year. He was shot by the University of Chicago police while experiencing mental health breakdown. Yes. That case is now scheduled for trial uh, this summer, and if it doesn't get resolved by settlement, it'll, it'll go to trial, and we think we have a very strong case. This is a civil case, then? Civil case, yeah. Look so at me, we're I, I, I the learned. Individual. Yeah, you get, now you know the difference, John. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so it's a, it was really a, a heartbreaking set of circumstances, but uh, hopefully we'll get we'll get relief either from a jury or from University of Chicago itself. All right, so um, you are uh, one of your clients is Heather Mack. Everyone knows that case pretty Vividly, give us a little recap because she was charged when she came back to the United States, correct? Correct, yeah. She was originally charged in Bali and uh, served a seven-year sentence. And then when she came back to the United States, the federal government, U.S. attorneys up here in Chicago, uh, charged her uh, separately in a couple of conspiracy counts. And now that case has been scheduled for trial this summer as well. I got a busy summer lining up. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. And then you're representing uh, Eddie Johnson, right? Yeah, the former superintendent of Chicago Police, uh, as you remember, an individual who worked for the CPD has accused him of sexual harassment. You know, the case was a consensual relationship where the plaintiff is now claiming that it wasn't consensual. And so that issue will get resolved likely by a federal court jury in a civil case, uh, you know, probably sometime next year. Okay. Well, you really, I didn't believe you could do those updates that quickly. You got it all down there. John, I'll do it 15 to 30 seconds if you, if you make me. Right. Yeah. Last question before I let you go. We had a texture. We were talking about, you know, law shows that we're into, stuff like that. Someone watched a show called Bull, where the lawyer had an earpiece and people on his team were like feeding information through the earpiece to the lawyer in real time of how juries reacted. Does that happen in court, Mike? No, I've, I've seen the show. It's very interesting. It, it takes it to uh, an extreme, right? You have, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I watched Bull. Your listener could probably call in, but you literally had people in like a room with TVs and all that kind of stuff, kind of manipulating the process. It, the, the one, you know, truth in it is that when you're picking a jury, 
one of the issues that arises just came this came up in one of our federal court criminal cases about, about a month ago where the judge had entered an order saying, hey, during jury selection, you cannot research on social media or Google these potential jurors. Right. Which, you know, there's been other courts I've seen have those kind of rulings. I didn't think it, it made sense because I think it's an important part of knowing what's out there publicly about a juror. It's not like they're hiding it. It's out there publicly. Yeah. So I filed a motion in that case asking us, asking the judge to allow us during jury selection to do things like Google and social media search. And a judge ruled in our favor and said we could. So we had access to while we're, while we're doing jury selection, which is hard because you don't have a lot of time. Right. So you're getting a name of a person, you know, their town, you know, some information about them. And we were able to Google them, look at a little bit of their social media. It was difficult because we didn't have a lot of time. Did anything help you, um, you think? Just, just around the edges, I would say. I mean, yeah. it was difficult to really do a deep dive when you're trying to select them, when the judge is questioning them, when you're going to be questioning them to get a lot of information that was useful. But in, in some cases, it did provide a little bit of insight, I thought. But, but to us, it made sense because, you know, there's been studies that show Actually, everything's been studied, hasn't it, John? But there's a study on point that we've, that we've cited in our motion where jurors have an expectation that you will be researching them to some degree, right? And the, the other point was just the fact that this isn't private information. This is stuff that we're looking at, stuff that's out there publicly anyways. So there's no expectation that it's going to be private, right? Right. Do you, does the defense get the names of the jury pool at the same time the state does? Correct. So what typically so happens... So it wasn't like the state had an advantage, though, in that no, case. No, no, no. So like this was a federal criminal case. What happened is we walked f- in that morning, say 8.30. The judge gave us the juror questionnaires, which had been filled out, mm-hmm. which provided information about these people. And there was also another generic form that just gave their identities, name, age, what town they're from. So we had some stuff to go by. So... You know, it wasn't a perfect science. You know, when you're looking up Larry Smith uh, from yes. Chicago, you might get 400, right? Yes. But but there were some ones that were too much more targeted. You know, if you have no some somebody's name from Geneva, Illinois, right, right, right. they're about such and such an age and do this for a living, you could get more useful information. For sure. All right. Well, we dove through a lot today, Mike Leonard. I appreciate your time. Someone texted and they wanted me to read the uh, aging elder abuse hotline number again. And this is coming from a site. This is through Evanston. They posted it. one 800 1409. That's the latest number I can find. And I was mentioning Peck Ritchie. You can go to peckbloom.com to find out more about what Carrie Peck has to do as well. All right, Mike Leonard, where can people more uh, find out more about you? John, 312-380-6559 or leonardtriallawyers.com. Mike Leonard. We're doing it again next week, Mike. John, it's going to be exciting to be here. More topics. More topics. More lawyers are people, too. We'll think of some food discussions. We're going to run the gamut, John. We sure are. Audrey Anderson's coming up next, and we got a fascinating conversation about uh, what do mayors really have control of in terms of crime, and a new bill that Governor Pritzker just signed about people being able to legally change their name, including past felons. What does Audrey Anderson have to think about that? We'll get into it after this on WGN.